Hello, I'm Clive Nash. Welcome to Let God Speak. Today we continue the story of the Bible character Jacob. We take up the narrative at the point where he is on his way back to the place of his upbringing. He must face his brother Esau, whom he had wronged long before. What would happen when they came face to face? Could Jacob meet his brother Esau in peace? Would God still be with him and his family group? We will find that God is faithful in keeping his promises. Please follow our panel discussion with the help of your Bible. Let's dig into the story now. Well, on our panel today, we have Mike Browning and Rosemary Malkovich. Welcome, Rosemary and Mike. Good to have you with us. Uh, But before we begin our discussion, I invite you as an audience uh, to join us as we pray. Our loving Father in heaven, we are thankful that you have given us the Bible as our guide for life, not just for this life, but for the life to come. And these old stories we know have been given to us as examples that we might learn from them and apply the lessons to our everyday life. And so we pray that what we learn today will be a blessing to us now and in the future. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, to begin, I'd like to read Genesis chapter 32 and verses 4 to 6, just to to set the scene of the story here. Genesis 32, beginning at verse 4. And he commanded them, saying, Speak thus to my Lord Esau. Thus your servant Jacob says, I have dwelt with Laban and stay there until now. And then he recounts how God had blessed him. I have oxen, donkeys, flocks, and male and female servants. And I have sent to tell my Lord that I might find favor in your sight. Then the messengers returned to Jacob saying, we came to your brother Esau and he is coming to meet you and 400 men are with him. Mm. Uh, Rosemary, was Jacob happy with this news about the the size of Esau's company, this 400 men? Well, I don't think any of us would be happy. Um, Obviously, he's coming to him with a a group of warriors, soldiers to pay back. Um, But let's look at the next couple of verses, Genesis 32, verses 7 and 8. So Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed, and he divided the people that were with him and the flocks and herds and camels into two companies. And he said, if Esau comes to the one company and attacks it, then the other company, which is left, will escape. So he, his first two thoughts were one of complete distress. And then he thought, well, if I separate half the family here and half the family there, Mm -hmm. then at least I'll keep half my family if he attacks me. Um, But then if we look in verses nine to 12, It says, then Jacob said, O God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac, the God who said to me, return to your country and to your family and I will deal well with you. I am not worthy of the least of all the mercies and all the truth which you have shown your servant. For I crossed over this Jordan with my staff and now I have have become two companies. Deliver me, I pray, from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him lest he come and attack me and the mother with the children. For you said, 
I will surely treat you well and make your descendants as the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered for multitude. So here we see his first thing was distress. Then, then he divided the people and he tried tactics. But then he turns to God. Mm. He says, I am helpless. I can do nothing. I am nothing. But you have made a promise to me and I claim your promise. You've said you will deal well with me and that I will become a multitude. So regardless of what Esau says, I'm going to hold fast to your promise because I have got nothing else. So mm. that's what he did. Yeah. So, so Mike, what, what was God's response to Jacob? Yeah. Okay, well, Jacob's went to prayer at the time when you said, then he goes across the river with his family and then he goes to prayer again. Mm. And that's recorded still in chapter 32 there and verse 22. And it says, he arose that night, took his two wives, two female servants, and they crossed over the river Jabbok. And then verse 24, Jacob was left alone and a man, capital M, right? Notice that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. A man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. So he's praying in the darkness and suddenly a hand, a firm hand on his shoulder. And he thinks it's an enemy and, and he wrestles until the break of day. So it must have been hours of wrestling. Um, and with Jacob, he's tremendously burdened by the sin that he committed in deceiving his father years before that, and taking the birthright mm. from his brother Esau, which is why Esau's arriving with 400 men coming his way, yes. 400 men. So it's a really serious situation here. Um, and he suddenly realises, however, um, that it is not just a human being he's dealing with here. But if you look at verse 30, it says, Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face and my life is preserved. He was, he was wrestling with God himself. And there's a beautiful, um, uh, an interesting statement, actually, if we have that on the screen. Um, it's uh, patriarchs and prophets. And this is what it says. Jacob had received the blessing for which his soul had longed. That is, he persevered. When he realized he was praying, he was wrestling, sorry, with God, he, bless, he pleads to be blessed and forgiven. His sin is a, a supplanter, that's a liar basically, and a deceiver had been pardoned. The crisis in his life was past. Doubt, perplexity and remorse had embittered his existence up till now, that is, but now all was changed and sweet was the peace of reconciliation with God. Mm. So this is a huge turning point for him. This was a defining moment in his life um, and he succeeded because he clung to God. Um, and didn't let him go. Mm. And God blessed him, yeah. gave him, gave it, him the assurance. It's interesting in verse 27 there, uh, Genesis 32, um, that this heavenly being, this, uh, this divine being says to Jacob, what is your name? And he said, Jacob, why did God, approximately, why did God ask Jacob his name when he, when he knows everything? Well, Jacob, um, was wrestling with God, God asked him his name. Names were very important in the Bible times and they're very important in some countries today. Today, most of the time we just choose a name because we like it or it was a family name or something like that. But at, at this stage, it could represent the character that they hoped their child would have. It could represent something to do with their family, the destiny that they would hope they would have, like Jacob was a supplanter. Um, that was his destiny. Uh, it could be that you were a uh, captive in a foreign land and they gave you a new name and named you after one of their gods or something. So names did change. Um, so let's read chapter 32 and verse 28 because then it, he goes on and he says, 
your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. So God is here changing his name from Jacob, supplanter, or the person who takes from somebody else, the person who deceives, to somebody who was a, a prince with God. And, you know, we see that his grandfather, Abram, became Abraham. We know that Paul, uh, Paul in the, Old, in the New Testament used to be Saul. Naomi changed her own name to Mara, which is, uh, uh, bitter. Which is bitter mm. Mm. Um, because of the death of her two sons and her husband. Um, Daniel became Belshazzar because, or Belteshazzar because he was a captive yeah, um, in a foreign land. God. So he was named mm. after one of their gods. Mm. So we can see that this happens, but names were e- extremely important. And so God is telling him, regardless of what you've done, I have a destiny for you. And I am changing your name to reflect the destiny I have for you and that you can trust me with the promises. So that's really what God was doing mm. for him. When we move on a little story in the story to chapter, chapter 33, Genesis 33 and verse 1 says, Now Jacob lifted his eyes and looked and there Esau was coming and with him were the 400 men. <laughs> uh, so he divided the children among Leah, Rachel and the two maidservants. Another question for you, Rosemary. Mm. How did this, this meeting go? Well, if we look at Genesis 33, verse 3, it says, Then he crossed over before them, he crossed the Jabbok, and bowed himself to the ground seven times until he came near to his brother. Now, seven times it's, it's uh, to bow, it's a, a form of humble, humbling yourself before the person, um, showing that you look up to them as someone who is above your station. You don't bow to someone who's below you. You bow to someone who is above you. So he was showing submission to his brother, um, which he hadn't had done when they were younger. But then if we look at, back at Genesis 27, chapter 27, verses 27 and 28, um, it says this. This is when he was with his father, Isaac, and he was going to receive the blessing that was meant for his brother Esau. Kind of deceive and receive, he wasn't was, it? He was deceiving. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm not going to read yeah. the whole lot because there's quite a bit there. But And he came near to his father Isaac um, and kissed him. And he, Isaac, smelled the, uh, the smell of his clothing and blessed him and said, Surely the smell of my son is like the smell of a field which the Lord has blessed. So he's thinking this is Esau. And there he goes on and gives a wonderful blessing to Jacob. And he ends up saying, cursed be everyone who curses you and blessed be those who bless you. So here um, there were seven blessings amongst all of this that um, Isaac gave to Jacob. Mm, And here we find that Jacob Mm. bows Mm. seven times to his brother. Hmm. It's almost like he's bowing to his brother for every one of the like blessings he received. Reconciliation. Yes. Yeah. yes. And it's just interesting that he's, he did that. Yeah. So, so Mike, is uh, this, this idea of submission this, it, and bowing and so on, is, is there a lesson for us in that? Yeah. There is. Um, I mean, he's making it very clear he hasn't come to claim the birthright blessing that his father gave him by default or mm. by deception, his own deception. So he's made that very clear and Rosemary's made that point really well. 
Um, and in terms of um, just humbly taking the, the inferior position, he was making it very clear to Esau he had not come to take Esau's place. Because don't forget, with the birthright went the inheritance, the land, well, whatever land they were using. Yeah. Um, and of course, all the animals and the gold and right, whatever the treasures the family had. Mm. Uh, he was making it clear he wasn't wanting any of that. Mm. So that was to reassure Esau, and I'm sure it did. Yeah. And he had plenty of his own. Oh, yes, he did. Yes, the Lord had blessed He him. didn't need anything. Yeah. When we go down to chapter 33 and uh, verse 10, Genesis 33, verse 10, Jacob said, No, please, if I have now found favour in your sight, then receive my present from my hand, inasmuch as I have seen your face as though I'd seen the face of God, and you were pleased with me. So, so Rosemary, what's going on here? Um, with Jacob saying, I have seen your face as though I had seen the face of God. He's actually acknowledging that now he can see because God has forgiven him and Esau is like God to him in the fact that now Esau has forgiven him. He's received the forgiveness of God and the peace that comes with that. But he still had this problem with his brother who was going to seem he was going to come and kill him. But now his brother has been generous to him. And now it's like, I've seen the face of God. I am forgiven. I'm at peace. I've got joy in my heart now. I no longer have that fear. And so it was like seeing God to him. But also um, he said, you were pleased with me, he said to Esau. And in that case, he's sort of saying, well, God was pleased with me when he forgave me. I could feel his pleasure in me because the animosity was gone. And it was now the same thing with his brother. They, there was no longer this terrible curse between them. Mm. And if we look at Amos 5, 21 to 24, um, this is something that we can all learn a very important lesson from. It says, God is speaking here. He says, I hate, I despise your feast days. I do not savour your sacred assemblies. Though you offer me burnt offerings and your grain offerings, I will not accept them, nor will I regard your fattened peace offerings. Take away from me the noise of your songs, for I will not hear the melody of your stringed instruments. But let justice run down like water and righteousness like a mighty stream. God is not interested in our sacrifices because we've sinned. Um, God sees that as hypocrisy because we go and do all the bad things. And then we say, oh, God, I'm sorry. That's not what God wants us to do. God is pleased when we show um, justice towards others, when we show kindness towards others, and when we ask for forgiveness for our own sins, but we don't treat the others as sinners. Mm -hmm. That's when God is pleased. We don't have to offer sacrifices then. Yeah. And so in this case, it was the, the reconciliation that this is illustrating reconciliation in what God is saying here. Yeah, reconciliation is a a desirable thing, isn't it, where there's been mm. alienation. <clears throat> yes. Um, you know, and the fact that Esau came and kissed his brother, there was, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't a Judas kiss. No. no. It was a kiss of reconciliation mm. that he was given here. When we go down to verse 12 um, of this story, there's an interesting offer here made by Esau. Um, and Mike, it says here, um, then Esau said, let us take our journey, let us go and I will go 
before you. <laughs> what did Jacob think about that okay. offer? Well, he declines the offer of, of, his, of Esau's company. Jacob said to him, this is verse 13, my Lord knows the children are weak and the flocks and herds which are nursing with me. And if the men should drive them hard one day, all the flock will die. He's basically so giving excuses as to why he'd prefer to go on alone with his own family and let Esau and his entourage go, go on home again. And I think that he's very conscious of the fact that he had his, his uncle Laban, the father of his two wives, had really deceived him and given him a hard life. Um, and because of his insincere attitude to spiritual things, basically. And he knew that the same problem existed with Esau. In fact, there's a, an interesting statement here we could have on the screen, um, which illustrates this point. And I think it's very helpful here, very insightful from um, a lady named Amy Ratzara. She says, Jacob knew that their, their differences remained great and that while forgiving, while forgiving, Esau's disinterest in spiritual matters had not changed. So mm. he knew that they were not on the same page spiritually mm. and that was going to make a big difference to the way they wanted to live their lives. This put Jacob's understanding of his special calling at risk. So the brothers went their separate ways, but as long as they both lived, their people lived at peace with one another, which is kind mm. of encouraging to know. But he knew that he had to go separately, and he did. Mm. Now, Rosemary, do you think that, um, that Jacob experienced the grace of God in his life? Oh, well, he certainly did when he wrestled with God on, on that night. Um, God gave him grace at that time, uh, forgiveness. And grace actually has many different meanings if you look in the dictionary. It, it even means what we pray over our food. People call it grace. And so grace is, is used in many times. But with God, it's always meant to be um, God's free, unmerited favor, his forgiveness, his love. And that is what was happening here between Esau and Jacob. They were coming back together. There was forgiveness between them. And, that's, and God showed it when he changed Jacob's name. He was actually bestowing grace upon him by no longer remembering that he was the deceiver. But now he was giving him a new start. And God wants to do the same for us. We've got to remember that we are forgiven by God. Um, but God wants us to forgive other people because mm. we're forgiven. You'll see that in Ephesians 4.32. We're told to forgive as God has forgiven us in Christ. Um, and through the Bible and especially Jesus saying that if you don't forgive, then why should you expect that God will forgive you? So we need to be forgiven and we need to accept forgiveness from others. Mm. Yeah. And to know the grace of God in a, a practical way in our own lives is a beautiful mm. thing, isn't it? Mm. It is. Yeah. Um, yes. Um, we, uh, we have another story um, at the end of this chapter, Genesis 33 verses 18 to 20. I'd like to just read these verses. Uh, beginning of verse 18 of Genesis 33, then Jacob came safely to the city of Shechem. Interesting word there, safely, mm. which is in the land of Canaan. And when he came from Padan Aram, and he pitched his tent before the city, and he bought the parcel of land where he had pitched his tent from the children of Hamor, Shechem's father, for 100 pieces of money. Then he erected an altar there and called it El Elohi, Israel. Um, so what, uh, what did Jacob want above all things now, uh, Mike? Now that, he's, now that he's arrived at this new destination. Yeah, okay. Um, he's wanting a place to settle down. It's rather interesting. He told Esau, look, you keep going. 
and we'll catch up, basically. But um, he's making his way down from the north, and he goes and he, he comes to Shechem well before you get to Mount Seir where Esau was living. And um, he just wants his own little place to settle in. I think he's weary, um, weary of stress and strife. And so he buys a piece of land that they can live on. It has to be a fair size. And he settles down there. And he's looking forward to some years of peace. Mm. So, Rosemary, what was the, uh, the issue that disturbed Jacob's desire for peace? Well, the desire for peace was disturbed by a very disturbing uh, situation. Jacob tried to live with the Canaanites, but they were such completely different people. They were pagans with um, believers in the true God and their lifestyles were so very different. It, it would be like basically like a husband and wife who were completely different, um, trying to make a marriage work but it's, it's not really going to, when they're so far apart, believing different things, having different worldviews, etc., different values. And so it didn't work. And if we look in Genesis 34 verses 1 to 4, we see a most terrible situation that occurred. It's, it, there was one daughter that is mentioned to us by name in this situation with Jacob, and that is because of this situation that happened to her. Now Dinah, the daughter of Leah, whom she had born to Jacob, went out to see the daughters of the land. So she was trying to make friends with the girls her age. And when Shechem, the son of Hamor the Hivite, prince of the country, saw her, he took her and lay with her and violated her. In other words, he raped her. His soul was strongly attracted to Dinah, the daughter of Jacob, and he loved the young woman and spoke kindly to the young woman. So Shechem spoke to his father Hamor saying, get me this young woman as my wife. So here he is. She's gone to visit and, and meet new people, make friends. And this young man sees her and is attracted to her. But he goes and rapes her. You know, and he's the, print, the king's um, of the area, his son. And then he says, I really like this girl. I want to marry her. I mean, what a terrible situation. Mm. Um, it's, he's supposed to, you know, it seems like he really loves her, but, but his passion's out of control. And if he really loved her, he would have respected her and not done this to her. Yeah, but he, but he seems as though he wanted to do the right thing, didn't he, Mike? Mm, if he it, had it wanted does, to do the yeah. right thing, he wouldn't have done it in the first <laughs> yeah. place. Yeah, um, so. what interests me is because um, while it doesn't necessarily say that he forced her... Um, well, it actually, says he violated her. It does, and... Um, you know, we are so used to people sleeping around these days, but in fact, in the Bible, it's strictly forbidden. Mm. And they were following those particular uh, guidelines from God. Um, so it's really sad that it went that way. Um, nobody bothered to ask Dinah what she thought, according to this. Now, maybe they did, but it's certainly not recorded here in the story, which would be, to me, a very interesting thing to what she, what she thought about the whole thing. But anyhow, her brothers, Jacob's sons, were, were mad. Angry. They were very angry. Mm. And uh, they decided that they wanted to deal with this and get revenge. And if you look in chapter 34, verse 7, it tells us about that. Sons of Jacob came in from the field when they heard it. And the men were grieved and very angry because a disgraceful thing had been done in Israel by lying with Jacob's daughter, a thing which ought not to be done. And that was the major point here. So... They're really cross about this. So they hatch a plot. 
And it's a simple plot. If you look on down in chapter 34 a bit further, um, I need to go through this fairly quickly. Um, they had a meeting with, with um, Shechem, the man in question, and his father. And this is what they said in verse 14. We cannot do this thing. That is, we can't join families. They wanted to have Dinah now as the wife of Shechem. We can't do this to give our sister to one who is uncircumcised. That would be a reproach to us. But on this condition, we will consent to you if you will become as we are, if every male of you is circumcised. To make a long story short, that's what happened. They thought it was to their advantage to unite their, their interests with Jacob and his, his large company now. And so they all got all the males were circumcised. Now, this put them at a serious disadvantage if someone should choose to attack them, which that's what the plan of Jacob's sons were, and that's what they were going to do. And um, verse 25 tells us, it came to pass on the third day after the surgical event, when they were in pain, that two of the sons of Jacob, Simeon and Levi, only took two, Dinah's brothers each took his sword and came boldly upon the city and killed all the males. So they slaughtered all the men the whole lot of them mm. in this village or town. We don't know how large or small it was. Um, but they killed the whole lot. And if you look down in verse 30, um, Jacob, sorry, verse 29, um, they took all their animals, all their wealth. They sacked the whole city or village, all their little ones and their wives. They took captive and plundered even all that was in the houses. So they took everything along with the wives who are now widows and the children, and they turn up back at Jacob's camp. And I rather think when Jacob saw them coming... Oh, he was so upset. He, was, he thought, what is happening? And of course he found out and was terribly upset, yes, as you pointed out. So um, the impact on everybody, he was just devastating, really. And one of the interesting things is there's a lot of deceit all through the Old Testament. Yeah. Um, and there's a man, Michael J uh, James Wilson, who wrote a book about it, and he found 15 passages in Genesis alone where there was deceit happening. So. Mm. Yeah. Um, you know, when we think back to this story of, of Jacob wrestling with, with God, mm. um, Mike, are there times when we need to wrestle with God just as Jacob did? Yes, there are. I really believe that we do need to do that. You know, there's some beautiful invitations in Scripture. Uh, here's one. Uh, you shall seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. And mm. this is what... Jacob was doing. You know, it wasn't just a casual prayer. It was an earnest prayer. And that's what we all need to be doing. And I think especially as we're coming towards what appears to be the end of history, as we know it, um, there's a tremendous need that we have to seek God in prayer and to um, basically seek an experience and a closeness to him that most mm. people probably don't have. Yeah. We need to wrestle with God, but we need to wrestle with ourselves too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, Thank you, Rosemary. Thank you, Mark, for your thoughts today. You know, in wrestling with God all night, Jacob emerged lame in body, but changed in spirit. Mm. Will you persist in prayer for a blessing? God promises to bless you just as he did Jacob. He will not fail you if you cling to him. Why not say to God right now, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Well, we're glad you joined us on Let God Speak today. Remember all past programs Plus, teacher's notes are available on our website, 3abnaustralia.org.au. Email us, if you wish, on lgs at 3abnaustralia.org.au.
www.ministries.org.au. We hope you'll join us again next time. Until then, may God richly bless you. You have been listening to Let God Speak, a production of 3ABN Australia Television. To catch up on past programs, please visit 3abnaustralia.org.au. Call us in Australia on 02 4973 3456 or email radio at 3abnaustralia.org.au. We'd love to hear from you.